name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Please sit. What do we do with stories like that? What sort of emotions bubble up in you when, you when you hear or you read a story in scripture like that? A story that feels so different, that is totally sort of out of context, doesn't make a whole lot of sense for our brains. What do you do with that? The story in the gospel this morning is a sort of fascinating story. And I think it's very easy to just sort of cast it aside and say, well, things were different then. Or maybe it was like that, maybe God did that, but God doesn't do that now. Or maybe it's a metaphor. It's very easy to sort of rationalize our way out of the stories, and then we miss the good news that the story is trying to tell us. So sometimes when we hear these things that sound totally different than our context and different than our understanding, the best thing we can do is try to take it apart and wonder about what the text might be saying to us now. So the first thing that happens in this story is that Jesus crosses the Sea of Galilee. And that's important because he leaves the land of the Jews behind. And he goes to the country of the Gerasenes, which is a country of Gentiles, so a country of people who are not Jewish, a country that no self-respecting rabbi would go to. There's no reason for him to be there, and they probably don't want him there, honestly. He's taking a little bit of a risk. He's looking a little nuts, probably. He's bringing his disciples along, and he's going to a place where they probably don't want him to be there anyway. And he goes anyway. He crosses the sea. He goes to the other side. He gets out of the boat, and the first thing that happens is that this man presents himself. And the text tells us that this man had demons. And that's the first place I think the passage gets a little hard for us. Our imaginations sort of either go way off course or sort of stop there. So this, this man presents himself, and if we pay attention to the text, this man has a pretty horrendous life. He's suffering. He doesn't seem to be able to keep his clothes on, for one thing. He lives his entire life not in a house, the gospel says, but in the tombs meaning he basically makes his home in a graveyard. And I feel compelled to say that that graveyard, those tombs are not as nice and manicured and lovely as our property on Route 7. It was a dirty place. It was a messy place. It was taboo in a very different way than it is now to sort of be among the dead. It was a place where criminals went to hide. And if he was suffering and he was sick, it was probably a place where people took advantage of him and scared him. And he spends his whole life there, living among the dead. He's out of his mind, according to the text, and he's been that way a long time, which means he has no relationships, family maybe that don't come see him, friends he maybe had one day but doesn't anymore, no community, he's all by himself. And these demons are strong enough that when they try to shackle him to things, he has a sort of magic ability to break the chains and run away into the wilds again and back to the tombs. It's sort of a fascinating story. And so Jesus calls the spirit out of him, and the spirit doesn't like that at all. 
Because just the word, just the presence of Jesus terrifies the spirit. What have you to do with me? Please do not torment me. So there's something about Jesus' presence and his very sort of words that is terrifying to these creatures. And then there's this great moment where Jesus asks the man his name. And notice he asks the man his name. And the answer is, we are legion. And there's two really important things about that response. The first is, the Jews are occupied by the Romans. And legion is a word the Romans like. It's an occupation word. It's how they organize and occupy regions and people. So Luke, years after Jesus is gone, is taking a swipe at the Romans. The tensions have risen since Jesus died. And Luke is essentially calling their Roman occupiers demons. It's important to know that context. And the other piece of this answer, this we are legion, that's really important, is that this is sort of the heart of the whole story. Jesus asks the man his name, and the demon responds, we are legion. The man can't speak for himself. He can't talk. He may remember his name, but he certainly can't say it. Maybe he doesn't remember his name at all. He's completely taken over by these, these creatures, these demons. He's lost himself entirely. That's a loss of identity, right? It's certainly also a loss of community, a loss of relationship. He's alone, and he has really no semblance of life. So we need to talk about demons for a minute. Our tradition has a lot to say about demons and about evil. There's a lot there. But what's interesting about how it functions in this passage is sort of the effect of the demons, the effect of evil inside him, the effect of these sort of creatures that are taking over his life and isolating him. And the effect is that he is alone, that he has lost his sense of self. He's lost any sort of place in the community. He's lost any real sort of meaning to his life. That's the effect of the demon in, in this story, that he's completely lost his context, his place. And I think that is actually something that we can relate to more than you know, the scenes from movies that crop up for me, more than The Exorcist, more than the sort of scary images, the thing that we can all relate to is that there are patterns and problems and issues and mistakes and struggles in our own lives that isolate us and take us away from the life God wants for us. In all of our lives and in the lives of the people we love, there are challenges, whether they are Challenges like addictions, or a story of pain, of suffering. It could be the, the demons of failure, the failures that we can't let go of, the mistakes we've made that we hold against ourselves forever. Sometimes they are the voices that encourage us to hate, to build hierarchies, to believe we're better than other people, or to believe that other people are better than us. Sometimes those are the demons of pride and arrogance. Sometimes they're the demons of hate 
and prejudice. Now, you may not like the word demons, but that's exactly what they are if they separate us from each other and separate us from the love of God. And all of us can relate to that. All of us have stories and places that are broken in our lives that we would prefer other people not see that hurt us, that remove us from the places where we are whole and alive and fulfilled with the people we love and with God who loves us and move us more into a place of the tombs, a place that is dark, a place that is unsafe, a place that does not fulfill us. And the good news of this passage is that Jesus crosses over the Sea of Galilee to get there. And he does this whole thing, and then he gets right back on the boat. So he is literally only there. He only crosses over. He only goes to the country where the Gentiles are to save this man. That's the only mission. That's the only thing he does there. Then he gets back on the boat, and he leaves. But Jesus of Nazareth is so convinced that everyone deserves to be free, that everyone deserves dignity, that everyone deserves to be whole, including people who are of a completely different race and culture, that he crosses the Sea of Galilee and goes and does this thing and risks being in a place where people don't like him very much either. The other good news of this passage is that the demons are terrified of him, of his power, of his word. And if Jesus is willing to cross the Sea of Galilee for someone he doesn't know, to use that presence and that power to cast out things that are theoretically pretty powerful, if they can break chains and send you out into the wild, imagine how much more he is willing to do for you who he knows and loves. Imagine how much more he's willing to be involved. The trouble is, though, that occupations, if you know your history, never end terribly well. And they don't end terribly well for this man either. Occupations, whenever someone leaves, there's, there's a mess, right? There's things to rebuild, there's relationships to rebuild, there's all kinds of work to do to walk back the damage that was done during the occupation. And if we are occupied and possessed by some of these things, by our flaws, by our brokenness, by the ways that we separate and isolate, then if we choose to let Jesus cast that out, then we still have a lot of work to do to walk that back and to continue to choose it. It doesn't happen overnight. Jesus does the casting out, to be sure, but then there's the whole second half of the equation where he says to the guy, go home and tell the story. So this man who doesn't know his name and who isn't able to speak and who isn't able to be himself would have had to go home and relearn how to be a whole person, how to build relationships that are healthy, and how to not repeat the behavior that probably put him in that spot to begin with. Because how many of us open these little windows for these demons? These little windows, these little choices that don't feel so bad. And then they take us down this road and it becomes a much bigger problem. So this man would have had to do the hard work of figuring out how to reorder his life 
how to not repeat the mistakes, whatever they were that he made, that ended up leading him toward death. And that work is hard. He would have had to figure out for himself how to, how to be a whole person again and how to relate to the people around him. In the piece of Galatians that we have today, we have a, a pretty famous formula. Paul is telling us that in Christ there is no longer slave or free, Jew or Greek, male or female. And these are the three sort of big categories of the time. There's still three pretty big categories now, aren't they? Status and class, race and gender. I'm not sure we've worked that out yet. You can tell me afterwards if you think I'm wrong. What Paul is saying is that all of those categories, and, and thereby the rest of the categories, don't matter anymore. If we believe in Jesus, then everything becomes equal. If we believe in Jesus, then we all become one. If we believe in Jesus, the barriers that we put up between us fall away. And everyone is the same. Which is why Jesus would cross the sea to save someone that he really probably shouldn't have been talking to. It's why he would risk going and setting this man free. Because Jesus of Nazareth is convinced that everyone deserves to be free and equal and loved to have their own human dignity. So I think the invitation of these two texts this morning are to do some serious digging and to understand what the demons are in our own lives. Because my friends, we all have them. We all have them. And I know that sounds like a scary word, but it's important that we name those things for what they are. Because if they remove us from good and healthy relationships with the people we love, if they remove us from good and healthy relationships with God, if they isolate us, if they lead us toward death instead of life, then that, in fact, is what they are. But the good news is that all of those things fall away in front of Jesus. And that if he's willing to cross the Sea of Galilee for this guy, he will do so much more for you. So I invite you to take this story very seriously. To dig into your own heart and find the patterns and the habits and the thoughts, the mistakes, the things that cause you to hurt, the things that cause you to think that you are less than, the things that cause you to think maybe you're better than your neighbors or your neighbors are better than you. And hear again Paul's words that we are one if we believe in Christ. And when you find those things that you need to cast out, ask for help. Because he will cast them out and then know that you still have to do some work. It doesn't just happen overnight. But in Christ, all of us are a new creation. All of us are made new. All of us given a chance at freedom and dignity and wholeness. So if there is a place in your life where you need to walk out of the tomb and walk back into life, you need only ask for help. He will do so much more than cross the sea for you.
Amen.